Blog Talk Radio. the Frontier Beyond Fear live broadcast and podcast. I'm Susan Laris and Dance, and today is Saturday, November 12th, 2022. Welcome to those of you listening live and those listening across time, because energetically in this space, you are here. There are no boundaries of space or of time in the spiritual realm. So thank you for being here today, wherever you are. I chose once again spontaneously, and in fact quite close to the program today, because I had thought of another word. I had gone back and forth between maturity and resilience. But I decided that resilience is really the word we need for today. Today is a day when I know that much is happening in the world. Um, I'm in the United States, and it's been quite a week, no matter what your persuasion, because I know that people listen to this program with multiple points of view. And I welcome that, because as you will see, I'm going to talk about how that is actually a part of resilience in a society and within our world. On our spiritual paths, we are not all the same. We did not come here to be all the same. In fact, there's nothing pulling our strings. Is there any, um, you know, we're not puppets. Those of us who believe in the divine, and once again, I know that there are multiple ways that different people coming to this program believe in the divine, but the vast majority of very prominent belief systems do not consider us puppets on a string. We have free choices in this world. I believe that we came here to grow. And that having the freedom to make choices that sometimes aren't going to be the best, both as individuals and as groups, that's a part of the journey. Now, I come to you and tell you that I have found that having had a connection to spirituality, something that I could trust in, something that I could feel, something that I could know with all of my being. I'm fortunate that this came to me. It wasn't really there, not completely. I mean, it's hard to say what completely is for any of us in this imperfect human world. But I'm very grateful for this because all of us encounter challenges in life. My life is nothing like I expected it might be. When I was younger, I was very into my academic path. And, you know, I was really, I I wouldn't say I was not ever in my heart. I certainly did um, feel my heart. But I spent a lot of time in my head. And, you know, I was just very focused on that. And the thing that really took me by surprise is when I had a child And due to just a whole combination of circumstances at that time, it was obvious, despite having the ability, I had at that time at a really, really um, unusual place to work at that time, 
I could have had um, full-time daycare on site at the office. There was a whole daycare center. I mean, it was like a dream for a lot of people to have that available. And, you know, it wasn't, I don't recall that it was free, but you got, you made plenty of money, so that wasn't an issue. And there was a waiting list. Well, you know, thank goodness there was a waiting list because I actually had to wait a year, a year, even though I signed up right when I knew that I was pregnant. So I had to wait more than a year, but a year after my child was born, that's how long I had to wait. And during that year, and I will say many circumstances that were important that would have made it difficult um, to utilize daycare arose, um, and it became very clear where it was I needed to be. It wasn't even a question. I did manage to work part-time, but really... Um, do you ever just sit back? I did something the other day. I was just lately, you know, I think about my life and I think about different episodes in my life. And you think about choices, not all of them good, or paths that you were on that couldn't continue, um, and also good choices and just different places where you were. And yes, difficulties. I have to say that there are many ways that my life Though I, you know, this isn't a competition. I know many people have, I mean, certainly within other parts of the world, I mean, there are incredible difficulties that people can face and the cruelty of people and just um, horrible things. I was thinking about Immaculate Ilibagiza again this morning and how she was caught up in Rwanda at the worst of times, and I often speak of her because I find her to be an inspiration. But I think it's fair to say, I think we're each our own evaluator. Let's not compare one another with one another what we would consider challenging for ourselves. I know that the way that I set out being, you know, doing extremely well academically, and that seemed, you know, to be my ticket, so to speak, at the time. Um, although I had various um, heartbreaks early, it seems like I've just experienced a lot of that um, in my life and starting fairly young. Um, so there was a heart thing going on, and it did matter. But And there were other difficulties. Not everything was difficult. Some things were like smooth sailing. And even today, I see, you know, it's it's interesting when you notice the miracles that occur, which have occurred in my life as well. But in terms of challenge, my life is way more challenging. When I review some of the things that I had to endure, that I had to have the courage to get beyond, and some of them took incredible courage, um, I could never have imagined it. And I'm I don't think I could have, it would have really scared me, honestly, had I known that when I was young, that this is what you're going to encounter. This is all a part of my soul's growth. And because of some of those difficulties, I had a spiritual awakening. And nothing could be more important than that. It doesn't mean that my life is perfect now. It's not. I still have challenges. I think a lot of us have challenges right now. I went for a walk, and um, I happened to encounter a neighbor who I don't know very well, um, but I could tell she's been going through some things, and I just stopped. And at first she didn't seem to look my way, but then I just said hi, and, you know, I said it again, and then she turned to talk to me, and we had a heart-to-heart conversation. In fact, I even at the end said that it was from my heart to hers and that that I knew, you know, this isn't an easy time. You know, for those of you listening in other parts of the world, it may seem, and it's often been true, that in the United States it's smooth sailing. It hasn't, it's not smooth sailing for anybody really, but and it depends on where you are and what your situation is. But I think it is fair to say that many of us in the United States have been insulated 
from some of the problems that other generations have faced. Um, that is both a fortunate thing um, and it's also in some ways unfortunate in the sense that it makes us less prepared when things don't go the way we anticipate, when things do get difficult. Um, I heard the other day, you know, a whole bunch of people, they have no concept of inflation. Now, see, I'm old enough to remember inflation. Um, and, you know, but it's been so long. And even with homes, you know, I remember um, when 6%, you know, was a reasonable rate. And I know that it had gone even higher before I had the ability to buy a house when I was much younger. So there have certainly been challenging times in that way. Many of us in my generation are children of people who went through the depression. And we can't even really conceive of what that was like. I mean, I know that my grandmother had a huge garden. Um, she passed down a number of recipes to us, which suggested, you know, not having a lot involving eggs and um, cheese and vegetables. And that was it. Um, it's not that they didn't eat meat, but I don't think they ate it as often. And um, and so, and I know that the people who went through that, they grew. It was a sole choice. It was their destiny to go through that time. And we're at a point in the world where we really don't know what's around the corner. Today is a day, certainly during this time, people are thinking about the world, the state of the world. I choose to broaden that because we get very focused on, you know, one way of looking at threats to the world in terms of um, climate, for example. And in my perception, um, I, I really feel that we have a lot of things to think about when it comes to thinking about nature. And, you know, when I look at, at the surroundings, I've lived in the um, American West in more than one place um, for, mo for a good portion of my life. And there are many beautiful, pristine areas. But when I think about what it once was, and this isn't confined to any part of the world. I've thought about that, too. The, the forests of Europe, which were beautiful, were cut down. You know, many of those beautiful cathedrals that are very old, the wood was cut down from those forests. And there have been so many times in this world where we have changed it completely. Um, you know, the buffalo used to run free. Um, we can't even conceive of what the wilderness was like. There were prairie grasses that no longer exist that were so vast. Now, you know, if you want to find authentic prairie grass in the United States, you're, you probably are at a museum or at some nature preserve because it's all gone. So I think that we need to not just focus on one time and one thing. We need to be thinking about also other types of things that are very real um, issues on any planet. Um, certainly a large solar flare like a Carrington event. Those of you who don't know what the Carrington event was, I always forget the exact year, but it involved a giant solar flare before we were really industrialized and it blew out telegraph lines and did all kinds of weird things. Um, it even, some of the telegraph lines were transmitting with no power at all. Imagine what that would do to our circuits today. And yes, you know, an asteroid, always something to think about that, um, you know, that we're, it, it can feel like we're just sitting ducks here on the planet. So let's not um, only look at one thing, and not to mention the whole threat of nuclear war, which is a very, very um, dangerous thing 
that we've introduced into this world. So what are we to do? Have we figured out the solutions? I mean, solutions, for example, um, to finding, you know, have we really unleashed all of our creativity in terms of looking at energy, for example? I think that the nature of the industrialized world, the way certain interests have restricted studies, even going all the way back, look at Tesla as a perfect example. He was exploring things that were suppressed, and that's often happened, that things go the route that, unfortunately, greed wants them to go. And we need to be very careful as we think about our world that we don't suddenly rape and pillage it some more um, with some, um, some solution that isn't really going to work. And we also need to think in terms of our resilience. Um, you know, what is it that we really need? We often hear um, that, and we tend to think that things have to be the way they've always been. Things are never as they've always been in terms of, you know, what are your needs? If, if you're at the top of this ladder where every possible need is met, maybe you have a private jet, which, you know, isn't particularly kind to the environment, sustaining that is not so easy. And I think we need to think more in terms of simplicity. I'm also a firm advocate in continued research and active dialogue, um, really talking about, you know, continuing to talk about the unfolding research in all of these areas. The door should never close on research or on honest, sincere um, areas of investigation. Because resilience in a culture involves exploration. You don't just say um, in any particular domain, well, this is it, and, you know, shut up. <laughs> that just doesn't really work, and it doesn't, it's not helpful. Science is about continued exploration. Because that's the only way that we're going to find a path forward. And this is true in so many ways. You don't find a path forward by, um, you know, in the old days, maybe someone would have been burned as witches. You know, they were coming up with new discoveries like Galileo. And, um, you know, that wasn't acceptable now, was it? Well, today the same thing can happen only figuratively. And we need to have the strength, the courage, and the intellectual and heartfelt honesty to accept that dialogue is what changes us. Dialogue is so very important. Anyone who is afraid of dialogue is not very secure in whatever their position happens to be. There is nothing to fear from honesty. We have a lot of work to do as societies around the concept of honesty. It's true within our lives. No one of us is perfect in this domain, and I don't claim that. But it's something that is a continual work for all of us. And do we listen? Do we have the capacity to forgive? Spirituality provides the key to all of these things. When it comes to our relationship with nature, do we Go out into nature. Do we experience it? Do we notice it? I went for a long walk in nature, I don't know, about an hour. That's about as much time as I had. So I don't know if I'd say long. I've gone for longer walks. But I went for a walk a little bit ago. 
it helped me to think about this show. But the most important thing that we need is honesty with ourselves and with one another and the courage to explore, the courage to have dialogues, because that's the only way that we can find a more cohesive way forward. We have many questions to ask because we don't quite know where we're headed. I mean, we've introduced into this world this concept of nuclear war, and that's a real problem because that's why I was thinking about maturity as a topic because if we don't have the maturity, anyone who might harness such horrendous power, if we don't have the maturity to handle that, then we will not continue. Sooner or later, it will be unleashed. And it's yet to be seen if we have that maturity. As individuals, we have many fears. We fear one another. This is why I was thinking of Immaculate Elipichisa. She, I don't have her book right here, but I was going to have it ready again. I've quoted from it before. And how all of her family, most of her family was killed in Rwanda, and she ended up hidden away in a bathroom by a priest with other people. And that's the only way she survived this hatred that was unleashed among people like like she talks about, a teacher that was in the community that she knew, you know, had become this violent person because there was such hatred between people. And don't just say, oh, it's just them. It's always just them. That could never happen. Here, here, here. Well, it's true that if you have the ability, and in fact her story is about how she hated at first, you know, she went through this journey of um, hatred while she was hidden in this bathroom and in tremendous hardship, but she went through a journey with the divine and with herself. And her faith is the Catholic faith, and she found it through her spiritual tradition, a way forward. And when miraculously she was freed, she forgave the teacher. In fact, at that point, people around her who had been somehow saved from this horrendous thing that happened, they were like, what's wrong with you? How could you talk to this man? She literally went to talk to him in prison. I recently read a book called, um, some of you probably have heard of it, um, it's called The Hiding Place. I've known this story for quite a while. Um, Corey Ten Boom, who is a Christian in the Netherlands, she ends up in a concentration camp. And some their faith, she and her sister, their faith, sustained them. In fact, I probably should have put faith as a key word here. But they endured horrible things. And in fact, and in fact, her sister who was weaker died. And Corey was released one day. She later found out sometime later that she was destined to be gassed. But through some through some kind of clerical error, error and she was um, they had been protecting Jewish people within their home. They had been hiding them, and that's why they were sent to the concentration camp for this reason. Um, even though her faith was Christian, she had helped other people that she knew who came to them desperate. And so she got out, and it was an error, and it was a miracle. And she went on to speak, and she's inspired a lot of people. And I'm sure um, some of you in this audience um, have heard of her, depending on your spiritual background. Spirituality not only will help us to avoid the worst 
possible outcomes. In fact, that's important. That's why I was thinking about maturity as a label for this show because it takes maturity to deal with these things. And what Immaculate Ilipajiza came to understand in her domain was just how important it is not to demonize the other, whatever that other is. You know, it doesn't mean that there aren't awful things that happen in our world and that there's no accountability, although I personally have always been, because of my spiritual path, especially, I don't know about always, but since I came to understand the notion of spiritual growth, I am a huge believer in restorative justice. I believe that we need to heal and if to work on ways of rehabilitation, because most other forms are just vengeance. And we're always warned against that. What we really want in our hearts is to connect. Don't you want that? Think of some other that you have a whole narrative about, a story. And maybe some of that story is true. Often a lot of it isn't quite true. What if you could find a way to connect? What if we could find a way to heal? and move forward to heal instead of continually reopening wounds. What would that look like? How would we do it? I'm doing it now because I know that there are listeners of multiple points of view who listen to this program. I know that there are listeners in other parts of the world some of which are quite challenging places to live in. And we're getting to the point where even places that used to not seem challenging maybe aren't so easy anymore. And, you know, that's somewhat relative, too. People who have been accustomed to everything going smoothly, and inflation such a perfect example. If you're not used to it and you've never seen it before, well, when it shows up, it's kind of a shock. It's like, what is this? And that may seem a minor thing, but it's not so minor when so many are worried. You know, how are they going to feed themselves and their family? How are they going to keep a roof over their heads as rents are going up and, you know, it becomes less accessible to buy a home? Um, And, you know, what about jobs? Will they stay stable? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. We never can know. There are parts of the world and times, other times as well, where people have had to deal with utter destruction. In fact, I recently DVR'd, and I haven't watched it yet. I think I've seen it a while back. Mrs. Miniver, it says it's about, um, I know it's about a woman in World War II England. And it's mostly about fear. And fear is a big thing. And they certainly had to deal with some scary times. and um, But there were even scarier places at that time as well. And just horrendous things that people had to deal with, as Corey Ten Boom observed. I mean, there's just, there's no question that the planet Earth is not an easy place to be. Those of you listening live on Blog Talk Radio, thank you for being here. I know the live show is ending I will quickly tell you FrontierBeyondFear.com, which I actually need to update, um, is a gateway to getting to the archive, and you can listen to the rest of this podcast there. And thank you so much from my heart to Blog Talk Radio for featuring this program while live and ahead of time on the Blog Talk Radio front page. And I'm also thankful to the syndicates where this show will go, Um, to those of you who are listening to the podcast. Um, So um, I just get that out of the way now as the live show ends. I will continue into the podcast. We really need to be doing some deep reflection right now. I have to say that I am in a way fortunate because 
I am one who does listen. I listen to different points of view, and it gives me some insight. And a lot of times, and I'm not saying I have perfect insight by no means, but what it does is it helps you to see things um, not quite so starkly sometimes. Sure, we have boundaries. You know, we certainly don't want something like Rwanda to happen, you know, or, or Nazi Germany or any number of really awful things and even things yesterday that are happening in the world. But beyond that, it's helpful to get inside of a story and better understand why. You know, do you ever bother to ask someone why? Why is it that you feel that way? Why? Why do you feel that way? You know, if we really could connect heart to heart, like in Rwanda, maybe Immaculate could have said, why? Why do you hate us? Why? That's really important. And it takes courage. And it takes strength. And I do believe, because I know through through the awakening that many of us have experienced, and that's the only way Immaculate made it through her time, that spirituality is real. The divine is real. Unconditional love is real. And this is available to us as a tool. This is available. We are inseparable from unconditional love itself. What better tool could that be? We are called to this. I happened to surface some writing that I had done years ago, and I've told this story before, how before I came on this broadcast, before I started it, um, and it's now in the 13th year, I wrote um, frequently on the Oprah Spiritual Discussion Forum, and and it was an amazing time because some of that writing... Um, got surfaced in ways I never could have imagined. and um, But that wasn't what it was really about. It was about building bridges. And that was my um, that was my handle. We weren't allowed to use our names, so I was bridge builder. And I had used that in another discussion forum before that. And these were really honest discussions. Like, how? How can you things this way. I was a little bit more, um, I don't know if I'd say combative. Sometimes um, earlier forums I tended to do that, but I think I was really working through some, some things myself. Usually when you're lashing out in some way, you have something you need to work with in your own mind. Um, you're solidifying something. But we can feel that way sometimes. I mean, when something really awful is going on, it's okay to feel upset. I mean, of course it is. And we can still be as balanced as we can be, but we're human. I mean, we can call ourselves to balance. We can call ourselves to calm. We can call ourselves to wisdom. But what we really need to be doing more of is asking, why is it? that you feel that way. What is it that made you see this issue? Name any issue. Or even, you know, this whatever visceral thing. I mean, unless someone is just totally, I'm not saying you just walk up to anybody, but you can often do this passively just by listening to what people are saying without even interacting necessarily. And then you can start to see how, wow, you know, they don't see this. And sometimes you'll even say, wow, that's really interesting. I can see how that one thing would lead to that. Or you start to understand. You start to come together better. You don't necessarily agree. In fact, I could say often you're not going to agree. But you may start to see, oh, now that over there, that's a good point. We need to be careful about that or whatever. The voice 
that raises a different opinion can often provide the healing, the path to the healing that we need. It's amazing that Immaculate was able to forgive. Part of Corrie ten Boom's story is she later encountered one of the guards that she knew at this camp. And she had a really hard time, um, and she admits that. But she approached forgiveness. She approached a way of seeing this person through the eyes of the divine. And she was able, and you know, that comes up in other paths, the word namaste, you know, that's very important, how we're inseparable from the omnipresent divine. She saw it through her way of believing, and it helped her. It didn't help her perfectly, but it helped her. We need this now. We also need a bit of raw honesty. You know, so many different points of view. We we have this thing called cognitive dissonance, right? Anything that doesn't go with our view, we just reject. That isn't that's a psychological protection mechanism. It doesn't actually have to do with truth. And all of us could use a really good dose of truth of why do you feel that way? Why do you see it that way? What is it that led you to see it that way? That may help in understanding different belief systems. This will help us heal. We're never going to be all the same. That's not what the spiritual journey is all about. And I can't possibly um, leave this episode, and I'm not leaving yet. I actually had a couple of readings I was going to do, which I probably still will do. Um, we, We can't leave this topic without thinking about what I've talked about on other episodes, about how if you could think about what would be a resilient planet? That's a really interesting question when you look at industrialization. Because although we are where we are now, we should not judge those places. And you know, this universe, and it's likely a multiverse. In fact, I believe it's a multiverse, and there's starting to be evidence of that even scientifically. So just this universe, is vast beyond our imagining. And we already see evidence of just countless planets. We can't even conceive of how vast. So, you know, coming up soon um, this year, the new Avatar film will be out. And I finally found the book. I had misplaced this book. It's by Ursula Le Guin. The The word for world is forest. Um, And I think one is actually really, you'd have to say Avatar had to have drawn from Ursula Le Guin, um, basically about cultures which never developed any kind of technology. And along comes, you know, these um, invaders, and they, in both cases, in both stories, this is why I feel there's a connection between the two, and I haven't even finished Ursula Le Guin's book yet, Um, In both cases, um, along comes, you know, this pillaging um, spacecraft that wants to mine the planet and, you know, it does horrible things to the people who are there. And in both cases, the people who are there have a very well-developed spirituality. In Ursula Le Guin's book, and often you hear her name is Ursula K. Le Guin, they have developed a form of dreaming. These people are dreamers, and they do a lot of interesting things with dreaming, which I think is actually something that can be very powerful in our world. And so the question becomes in these stories, you know, who was it? You know, when there's a learning period, when we're on a spiritual growth exercise, um, 
both cultures are learning, but who would you consider more resilient? Who would you consider more mature? And we often associate maturity with technological and industrial development. And as I said in the episode, where are they? Um, There is more research starting to indicate that that is not so common and that often such development just doesn't persist. It's like a big flash and then it's gone because it's self-destructive. It burns itself out. So then you ask yourself when it comes to resilience, which culture is actually the more resilient? If one approach you're like racing and you don't even know it towards a wall, even though you develop all these cool things and we even have blog talk radio here and other syndicates and I'm talking to you over that medium. We have the internet now and you know a lot of things that weren't here. I'd never even seen a, a computer Well, I kind of saw an early computer, and I've told the story about the first calculator I saw in about second grade. Um, I saw, um, and there were computers before that, but, um, you know, our world has changed dramatically in my lifetime alone. And, you know, there were people alive when I was young who had, you know, their lives were totally different. They could almost remember when there was very little industrialization. So the question becomes, which is more resilient? And yes, we're on this path now. We can't all just jump off and go live in the forest. We couldn't really survive at this point. In fact, that's a part of it. Look at how we've forgotten. Look at how we have all forgotten because we're so dependent on these tools that are so refined. And if they're not around, we're helpless. I mean, we don't know how to grow our own food anymore. We don't know how to take care of ourselves anymore. We've, I firmly have seen, witnessed, experienced actual healing, and a lot of people dismiss that. The whole materialistic culture compared to spiritual culture is not actually resilient. It's not, to use another commonly used word, sustainable. And so we may already be on such a not a good path on this world because there's a real question if we could survive. There are those who say, ah, you know, we're just going to go out to the other planets. Well then, which, which culture do you then become? Do you want to be the avatar people who are living peacefully in the forest in spiritual union and joy? Or do you want to be the invaders? Because what road are we on right now? What road are we on? If we can get to the other planets, you know, people want to get up to Mars. They want to get up to the moon. Why is that? Well, I'm sure they want to mine. They want to mine asteroids. If we could get to every moon and every planet, we do, you know, we're insatiable. This this way of being, which is empty at its core, it's never satisfied. It is insatiable. That doesn't mean we're in a good place right now, because here we are. We've we're on this path. So those of us who have discovered and experienced and witnessed and seen and know and seen the evidence of spirituality, some who are studying the evidence of spirituality. I'm one of those people. I actually have seen some evidence that could be presented, and so have others. Where does that take us? How do we get on a stable path? You know, the next latest and greatest gadget that's, you know, somehow we keep it going by wrecking this planet even more. Um, You know, that to keep us alive, our survival instincts alone may take us down routes that will not be kind to the planet or to ourselves. Um, but that's not really where it's at. 
we have this notion that everything we have to have, we have to have, we grasp, we grasp, we grasp. We have to have what we have. I had quite a, I've had more than one quite nice, not mansions, but nice homes. I've had nice homes in my life. I'm now living in a much simpler place, and really, I can't let this show end without once again revisiting the story of my resilient little plant, which is actually in the picture associated with this program. Do we really need all this stuff? Well, Sometimes life delivers a bit of a rude awakening, an awakening that we didn't expect, which causes us to adjust. And we realize, no, although, you know, you want a certain amount of things that will sustain you, at least, it turns out that most of what we think we might have needed, we never needed, and that we can adjust. And let's not pigeonhole this just on one reason why we need to adjust. I'm not a big fan of that. I believe that the greatest reason is our longer-term well-being, our children's well-being, our grandchildren's well-being. And it's not um, always because of just one thing that we may need to fear or one thing that really we need to study really carefully but and continue to study. Everything deserves continued study. That's the interesting thing about it. If somebody wants to study something, they should be studying it. I don't know why we shut off studying. That makes no sense. That's because you're afraid. If you're afraid of somebody studying something, that makes you uncomfortable, then that shows that maybe you don't really believe in what you believe. Maybe you really don't. Because that's really important to be able to look at things in multiple ways. Newtonian physics thought that it was everything. Well, it turns out that didn't explain everything. It's often the lone voices, the courageous voices, the people who persist, and this is true in the spiritual realm, those of us insisting that there is evidence of spirituality because we've seen it. And how to study that and reveal it. We can't always prove it to somebody else. I can't prove my spiritual experience to someone else who has not had one. But if they have one, they'll be able to observe things that are just impossible to understand and that are statistically so improbable. I mean, you just can't just explain it away. And then, yeah, there are things that some of us have studied. And we never quite know what to do with those things. We need to really think about who we are. And maybe we're on a course adjustment here. I mean, even inflation. I can wager a lot of people listening right now have had to give something up. Well, I've been through this for years. I I seem to have been on the practice course, I hate to tell you. But now I'm somewhat grateful for it because I already went through this adjustment of having to let go of things. And no, you know, I I... I had to live more simply, and that's just, and some of it, you know, it was because what sacrifices, I mean, can you even um, stay in a, in a state of any kind of wellness by driving yourself towards something that for some people is just going to kill them early even? I mean, you have to really look at who you are and what you can do, and I still you know, um, and very engaged in things, but I've had to simplify because of the course of my life. And I can ask why, why did this happen? Why did that happen? Oh, you know, that's, and I can think of things. You can always come up with some 
choice, like, oh, you know, that wasn't so good. But then you think, but wait a minute, that was going on, so now I understand why that happened, you know. And so then you don't judge yourself so much. Get within, when you review your life and think about what happened in your life, you have to think about the circumstances too. And that's what people rarely understand from the outside looking in as to how things came to be the way they are. We can find a new way of living. I have lived this. It's not perfect. I have insecurities. But it gets better. And spirituality helps. I don't know what the future holds. I still believe we're in a world of hurt. And we may need several miracles to get through it. And I hope that we can find them because I know that they are possible. If we were relying solely on materialism, I really don't think we could. I think we would slam into that wall. But we have miracles around us. We have witnessed them, those of us who have. And they are as clear as day, things that you can, that are concrete, a healing that happens. It is possible. I did want to read a couple passages, which I will. The first passage I opened up to before this show, I had wanted to read Emily Dickinson last week, and I found something right on the page, a different one, that I hadn't expected. And I don't even know what the traditional interpretation of this little poem is, but I'm going to give you my interpretation. Emily Dickinson lived from 1830 to 1886. My life closed twice before its close. It remains to see if immortality unveil a third event to me, so huge, so hopeless to conceive as these that twice befell. Parting is all we know of heaven and all we need of hell. This was written at approximately, it says, 1896 she wrote this. And I just, it was just there, right in front of me. This is about significant challenge. And what can we learn through significant challenges that we encounter? Many of us have been changed. I would not be doing this show. You would not know me as a spiritual voice at all had I not gone through some very significant challenges in my life many years ago. It doesn't mean my recent life has been easy. It's changed everything. My path has not been conventional. Emily Dickinson went through something, something heartbreaking, you feel, something something significant that shattered, that often others have used the words, broke her open. And something new emerged from that. It may have seemed like a kind of hell, and that's all she wanted to see of it, but it, she opened up to something spiritual. I don't know the history of this verse. It'd be interesting to know it. I just found it cold, and there it is. The other place that I opened up to was in Ralph Waldo Emerson's Nature, also appropriate for today. Ralph Waldo Emerson was a transcendental idealist who lived from 1803 to 1882. And he was actually quoting someone else in this passage. He was quoting George Herbert. 
And there's a fairly lengthy poem that he quotes, which I'm not going to read. In fact, since we're getting close to the hour, there's one line that I think is important. Well, let's just read a few in this area. I just turned to this again. This wasn't something I planned, although I was kind of looking around this area, but I didn't had I had no anticipation of these passages. The problem of restoring to the world original and eternal beauty is solved by the redemption of the soul. The ruin or the blank that we see when we look at nature is in our own eye. The axis of vision is not coincident with the axis of things, and so they appear not transparent but opaque. The reason why the world lacks unity and lies broken and in heaps is because man is disunited with himself. He cannot be a naturalist unless he satisfies all the demands of the spirit. Yes, that's how perfect, really. We can heal. I want those of you listening today, no matter where you are, to reflect upon, we can heal. There is a way forward. There are miracles in this world. And we are not alone. We need to have the thirst for honesty so we can better understand one another. So we can honestly figure out, even if it's some something we could never possibly agree with. That's not the point. Because coming to an understanding of one another, it's part of it is that question. How is it you came to feel that way? even if you're not talking to these people. And I'm not saying that you are. Whoever you perceive as the they, how is it that they came to feel this way, to believe this way, to behave this way? Therein lies the answer coming to an understanding of how, of why, because it helps us to grow. It helps us to heal. So often we just slap a bandage on something. And, you know, if you never take a bandage off, things don't heal. Or we just ignore a gaping wound completely. And it's just there and it never really goes away or it just reemerges in a different way. That a lot of the conflict on the earth can be explained that way. It's just a wound that keeps coming up and a lot of it is based on fear, fear, people wanting to survive, and on vengeance. If we truly want to heal, we need to listen to people like Immaculate Ilipajiza, like Corey Dent. Corey Ten Boone, Gandhi. Talk more about Gandhi in a future episode. But for now, I'm going to draw this episode to a close since we are close to the hour. And I'm going to thank you all for being here, those of you who've been here across time, listening to the podcast wherever you are. And actually, I want to give a shout out to Apple Podcasts because 
that's generating some good listens lately, and they're doing something to surface the show, and I appreciate that very much. I appreciate all the different ways this program is carried. And once again, FrontierBeyondFear.com. Right now it says that things may change. Well, things aren't going to change all that much, although I did simplify the page so it's a little bit more readable. I'll be adding a few more things back in, and I am looking to expand to some more um, syndicates if I can. But that's where you can find the archive. And this show, once again, has been on the air It's now in its 13th year. So I should, next week actually is a week where I may not be here at the normal time. But I can almost, I can guarantee I am not going to have this program at the normal time next week due to um, an event that I'm assisting with online. So I will either, if I still have my voice, (laughs) because I'm going to need my voice for this particular event, um, I may do it later. I may just skip a week. Um, I may do it um, closer to Thanksgiving, and we'll talk about gratitude. We'll just see what I decide to do. So just be flexible. Um, For if I don't have a show, I invite you to, yes, visit that archive and explore. So thank you again for being here. I should definitely be here on the 26th, there should be a live show on Saturday, the 26th. So, but again, let's be flexible. I think you can still follow the show on Blog Talk Radio, although I'm I'm not sure what it tells you when you do. I've heard a couple of scattered things that we may not be getting email notifications anymore. But however you choose to find the program, you'll find me. Um, just look. So I will see you next time. Thank you again.